0: Um, Why don't we pray? Father, we, we thank you just for your son who died on the cross for our sins. Lord, we just sang all I have needed, your hand hath provided. And God, we just thank you for providing for us, putting food on the table, paying our bills. But even beyond that, just our spiritual need of salvation of forgiveness of shepherding uh, of care for our souls and we pray father that we would take a look afresh at how you have designed the church for your glory for the good of your people we pray father that we would look at our own lives and see where we can grow in this and get with your program we pray father i pray you would help me help my voice Help it to be clear, but Lord, may it be your text that reads, your text that preaches, not my ideas, Father, but yours. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Before we go on, we're going to, uh, why don't you turn with me to Hebrews chapter 13. Hebrews chapter 13. Uh, we typically go through the book of Hebrews during our communion uh, service, and this is no exception. In verse We will be going through verse 17 and I thought it would be good for us just to focus on verse 17. I don't think there's many verses that are preached on verse 17. It just happens to be the verse for this Sunday. And part of it is this, it is one of three pieces of how the relationship of individual members Uh, The congregation and the elders work together for the good of the body, for the edification of the church. Here at RBC, we believe in what is called church membership. Now, you may not find that word in the scriptures, membership, but what it does is simply describes things that are very clear in the word of God. For instance, there is a relationship of commitment of both the individual and the congregation and the elders to have the same confession. And this is what it says in uh, the book of Hebrews. That is, we believe that Christ lived, died, was buried, rose again, and that we all can be saved if we would have faith in him. So those are some things that all of our responsibilities are. Then there's this responsibility of of which I'm sure you would agree. Of the individual to the congregation and the congregation to the individual. Where there would be the love one another's or the one another's. Caring for one another, loving one another, praying for one another. uh, Weeping with one another, rejoicing with one another. Then there's the relationship you see of the elders in the congregation where the elders would be leading the congregation in the direction of ministry and and whatnot. Then there's the direction and the relationship between the elders and the individual member. You see what I'm saying? There's these three different uh, relationships and all of those commitments and all of those relationships is what we call membership. That's all we call membership. So, uh, today we're going to talk about one aspect of that, and that is the, the responsibility of the individual to the elders. And before I go on, I wanted to give as a gift, if anyone wants this book, this is a member on, this is a book on church membership. Now, you could buy it back there, but I can give you one for free. free. Anyone? Free 99. Going once. <laughs> All right, so there. (laughs) Give it to Madeline. Now, everyone knows, like when I give a book, my only caveat is, if you would just send me an email and tell me what God taught you. That's it, after you're done reading. I like it because it's short and it's fast. Anyone else? No, nobody wants to write me an email. Titus wants to write me an email because Titus is not a member yet, right? There you go. All right. Okay. Oftentimes this relationship is not talked about. You will often hear when, uh, uh, when a church is hiring for a pastor, uh, the elders and the congregation will say, well, this is what we want of you. You need to preach a, a stirring message every Sunday. Uh, you need to be available for the sick. You need to be able to be there for all the meetings. And, and, and then they will put all of these Requirements on a pastor, some biblical, some not biblical, right? I remember one of my friends who was um, candidating for a church and they give him this long list of requirements. And then he says, if I take this church, I would love to, but here are my requirements of you. And all of a sudden they say, whoa, 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 wait a minute. You can't have requirements of me. And in fact, if you were to talk about the requirements What is expected, the commitment level of a church member, here at RBC we believe every person who claims the name of Christ and is a member should be serving. You should be serving as a minister of Christ. So here we're going to be talking about, and here's the verse, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. It says, obey your leaders and submit to them for they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. Let them do this with joy, not with grief, for this would be unprofitable for you. How many verses have, how many times have you heard this preached? God gave this passage so that to you so that you would gladly submit to the elders of your church he is placed in your life for his glory I'll say that again he has given this passage to you so that you would gladly submit to the elders of your church that he is placed in your life for his glory does anyone need notes or does everyone have notes are we good Manny okay we're good Okay, the word of God gives you four reasons to glorify Christ through glad submission to the elders of your church. You can't get away from the force of this text. Obey your leaders. Submit to them. That is so forceful. The Bible, God himself is telling you this. Now he says, number one, and here's my first point, that submit because the elders shepherd under Christ. That's my first point. You see here in verses 17a and b, obey your leaders and submit to them. And this comes all under the umbrella of who are these leaders. They are, they are specifically those who rule in the church. Folks don't like that kind of language, but the Bible talks about this language all the time. 1 Timothy chapter 5, 17 says, the elders who rule well are to be considered worthy of double honor Especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. And all this means that the elders are responsible for the tone, the, the momentum, the, the direction of the ministries of the local church. And they have to make decisions. And these decisions are decisions of ruling. They're not heavy handed. They are gentle. They are loving. But they have clear direction. If the church has no clear direction, the church goes nowhere. If you have no, you, you, you' heard it many times. If you have no direction, uh, and that's your goal, you will hit it every time. Now notice Christ uh, this comes under the umbrella of understanding that Christ demonstrates his care for the church by shepherding, by directing and by leading in the local church through humble. Spirit-controlled men. These leaders in the New Testaments are sometimes referred to as overseers. That's where we get the word episcopos. That's where uh, the Episcopalian denomination gets its name. Or sometimes it's called elders. We get this word from the word presbuteros, where we get Presbyterian. You can see how folks will take these words and create whole denominations of it. And then there's this other word uh, that is base, That is typically translated pastors. And we will see in different texts, and I can prove it to you, that these words are interchangeable in the New Testament. That the pastor is an elder, is an overseer. That there should not be elders who are not pastors, who don't give the word of God, who do not, who do not shepherd the flock. You should not have elders who are simply businessmen. That's not what an elder pastor overseer does. The overseer elder pastor should be looking at the souls of people. Caring for the souls of people. Why? Because this is how Christ himself has designed how people should be cared for in their spiritual life. It's not enough for when Christ says in Matthew to make disciples of all nations. What does he say? Baptizing them in the name of the Help me people, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, one name if you recall. Then what does it say? Teaching them to what? Observe all that I commanded you. So in Matthew 28, it's very clear when he says to make disciples, it's not to make converts. It's not simply to make decisions pieces of paper, raising of the hand. It is to make, he says, by the power of the Spirit, by the power of the Word of God, it is to help people to come to understand that as they grow as a disciple of Christ, which all that means is a follower, that as they grow as a follower of Christ, that they would obey all that Christ has commanded. And that takes a lot of work brothers and sisters. And I thank the Lord that we have many disciples in our congregation who will take younger Christians under their wing and help them. How do you apply the scriptures in this context? Or how do you apply the scriptures in that context? But for the leadership of the church, these are men. How do you know who are these leaders? How does the church know who are these leaders? How does the church, how is the church protected from tyrannical, dictatorial, heavy-handed abuses of power. Well, very clearly, one of the passages is in Titus chapter 1. Turn with me to Titus chapter 1. Just a few books back. There's one here in Titus chapter 1, and then there's one in 1 Timothy. But you notice he says here in Titus chapter 1, these are men whom the church has recognized Christ has qualified them for the task. Christ has brought them through. Christ has matured these men. And there's a season of maturation in their life. That they would shepherd the flock of God. And how do you know? Well, God gives Titus. Paul gives Titus this, this, this uh, mandate. He tells them in verse 5. For this reason... I left you in Crete and he gives them the most important job. And brothers and sisters, please let me tell you, this is the most important job in the church is appointing of leaders. If you get the wrong leaders, the direction of the church goes wrong. The, the men will not lead them into godliness and Christ likeness, uh, Biblical doctrine, growth in Christ. If they have not been there themselves, they will not be able to lead their own people there. And so, what Paul tells Titus, he says, This reason I left you in Crete, that's an island in, in Greece, that you would set in order what remains. And a point, notice he says, elders in every city. And this is why we believe that every church should be an independent church. With its own elder board. And he tells them the most important thing. You get qualified elders. And if you don't have qualified elders. You get the elders qualified. By teaching. By seeing who God raises up. In every city as I directed you. Why? Because you need an elder board in every church. Namely. This is how the church will know. This is what protects the church. If any man is above reproach. And that's the umbrella qualification. There is no handles on this man. You can't take down this man. He actually lives the life. He walks the walk. He talks the talk. Or walks and talk. You guys know what I mean, right? He's the husband of one wife. He only desires one woman. He has children who believe. And he defines what believe. That is those who are faithful. Not accused of dissipation or rebellion. The overseer, notice he just, he just interchanged that word. First he said elder in verse 5. Now in verse 7, the overseer, because it's the same person. So he uses presbuteros, now he uses episkopos. And now he's telling us what are some of the emphases of what these men do. The episkopos is those who watch over souls. They are keenly aware. They are watching if there is false doctrine. They are watching if someone is falling into sin. They are watching if someone is uh, having a rebellious spirit. This man must be above reproach. He repeats it. As God's steward. He doesn't own the church. This is not my church. This is not Jeremy's church. This is Christ's church. We simply are stewards of it. We shepherd underneath what God has given us. We are... We are... Holy understanding that this is a sober responsibility. The souls of men and women. This is not to be won by election, this kind of uh, leadership. This is not to be won by popularity. This is not to be won by uh, someone who's good in business or is maybe a doctor or a lawyer. That's how sometimes some churches uh, build their elder board. These are spirit-filled men. These are spirit-controlled men. To lead the church. Oh, I've seen so many churches go around, wrong in this direction. The overseer must be above reproach as God's steward, not self willed. This is not because they must have power, they must wield power. No, it's because Christ must get the glory. Not quick-tempered, not addicted to wine. That is, someone who is addicted to any kind of substance, even wine, marijuana, controlled drugs, anything. Not pugnacious, doesn't want to punch people. That's the word where we get pugilist, boxer. Not fond of sordid gain. You don't go into the ministry like the charlatans. We see many, we see many of them on TV with leer jets trying to get money. They go into the ministry because they want to have sordid gait. That's not, that's not what the Bible says. These men are hospitable. They open up their home to strangers. Loving what is good, sensible, just, devout. They're self-controlled. Notice verse 9. They hold fast to the faithful word. They don't move no matter what the culture says. No matter what pressure is on them, they won't move. They'll say faithful to the word which is in accordance with the teaching so that he will be able to exhort in sound doctrine and to refute those who contradict. These men not only can handle the word of God, but they see heresy and they're able to discuss it and to contradict it with the word of God to protect the sheep. And so when the, a writer of Hebrew says, obey your leaders, these are the kind of men who you're supposed to obey. These are the kind of men you're supposed to submit to. These are men who are faithful to the task. (coughs) Notice these men in chapter 2 in verse 15. Same context. These things speak of Titus. Exhort and reprove with all authority. Let no one disregard you. This is to be the rule in the church. Now going back to Hebrews chapter 13. The congregation and its individual members are called to submit to elders as they submit unto Christ. (coughs) Notice, he uses this word. It's amazing. The leaders are our elders. He says, obey. And in the passive, which it's used here, it means to be persuaded, to be convinced, to obey. The word submit it's almost as if, it is as if, that Hebrews says, the writer of Hebrews, he'll say, I want you to obey, and if you misunderstand what I'm saying, I want you to submit. And therein lies the overlap of different definitions. The word submit means to obey and submit. So just in case you don't understand, you're to submit. And in fact, this, this is a controversial statement that I'll say, and I didn't make it up, Mark Dever did, but... Uh, it's, a con- it's a controversial statement if I said it, but he, says, he said this, and I said, he is absolutely right. The Bible does not say for you to join a church. Did you know that, brothers and sisters? What? The Bible says you should submit to a church. That does not fly well in our consumer church mindset, where every church gives you whatever flavor you want. Now, here's the follow, you have to follow the argument that if indeed Christ has raised up elders, this is Christ who does this, and the church recognizes them, right? To shepherd you, and you resist the leadership of the church, You are in fact resisting. The rule of Christ himself. Now. I'm not saying about. If you have an elder who's in sin. And wants you to sin. Or wants you to do particularly a certain thing. I'm not talking about that. Or wants you to embezzle funds. Or or engages in sexual immorality. I am not talking about that. I am talking about. Bible saturated. Christ honoring. Men who love the church, love Christ, want you to grow. If they are there for you and they have been placed in your life. And you resist that. You are actually resisting the very process that God has put in place for you to grow. I've seen it go two ways. Everything's fine and dandy when someone joins a church all the time. Fine and dandy. Everybody loves ministry and everything like that. But what happens is, as the rubber hits the road, and as sin is starting to be revealed in someone's life, and as the church is lovingly displaying and exposing, hey, you know what? You probably shouldn't have shouted at your kid at the church picnic like that. Maybe you should ask for forgiveness. Who are you to tell me? I have seen it go this way. If the person humbles themselves, they just grow a ton and they just continue to grow. And God's process of maturing that individual through the leadership of the church, it just takes off and they just grow in leaps and bounds. Or they stay stubborn in their pride And they say no one can tell me what to do. Because now that is exactly what the that's what that's the essence of sin. No one can tell me what to do. We're out of this church, hon. Let's go. Boom, we go. They go to join another church, the next church picnic shouts at their kid, and then someone talks to them about it, and then all of a sudden, what happens? The same thing happens, and the sin is never dealt with. And they keep thinking, it's them, not us. It's them, not us. It's them, not us. Now, I have to be careful. Sometimes it is the church. Sometimes the church is not biblical. Sometimes the church doesn't follow doctrine. Sometimes the church doesn't even preach the gospel. They just give you uh, motivational quotes. Maybe they might read a verse and talk about poetry. I don't know what they do. They don't preach the word, right? You got to leave that church. You have to. But if it is a Bible-saturated, Christ-honoring, discipleship, disciple-making church and you just don't like the way the pastor preaches or you don't like the way the pastor sounds or you don't like the way they approached you on that sin perhaps it's you perhaps you need to grow in that and perhaps that is actually christ shepherding over you through the elders that's why this verse is here you're not the only one who has a hard time with it i do too and i'll tell you a story towards the end okay maybe that might make you feel better all right How, uh, what about this? Someone might say, what about those who abuse the rule? We hear stories of financial impropriety, sexual sin, tyrannical rule. Are we supposed to follow that? Of course not. That is why, precisely why the church was given 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1, which we talked about, with the qualifications. But there's even a process that the Bible tells us in 1 Timothy five nineteen through 22. And I'm just going to read it and move on. That is, do not receive an accusation against an elder, except on the basis of two or three witnesses. Those who continue in sin after they've been, uh, after they've been uh, rebuked. He says, rebuke in the presence of all, so that the rest will be fearful of sinning. I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus and his chosen angels to maintain these principles Without bias, doing nothing in a spirit of partiality. And then he gives a warning. Do not lay hands upon anyone too hastily. And thereby share responsibility for the sins of others. Keep yourself from sin. So he gives us this appeal process as a church. If there's an elder who is in sin, then the church is protected. How? We go to them and we rebuke them. And if they continue in sin, they are to be removed. Now he says here... If you have elders, but if you have, if you have elders who know the scriptures and they're qualified and they're shepherding for the glory of Christ, you need to recognize (coughs) right now, brothers and sisters, if you are a Christian, you have to recognize right now that they were placed there by Christ himself through the local church. If there's a difference in essential doctrine, that's another matter altogether, as we have said. But simply choosing to be to begrudgingly acquiesce instead of glad submission because you have a different preference is bucking against the very care that Christ has provided for you through the elders. It is no small thing to reject the biblical counsel from elders. If in fact it is biblical and you refuse, you're going against Christ himself. Submit because the elders shepherd under Christ. They are God's representatives. Second, submit because the elders are accountable to Christ. Notice this weight that is placed on the elders. For they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account. This is fearful. There's another text that says that teachers will incur a stricter judgment. What does that mean? They will incur stricter judgment. They, all that they have taught. God is going to say, okay, did you live it? Did you live it? Because you should have known better. Now here is this weight of shepherding souls. I've, I hear this from every young disciple who starts to disciple someone. They're all of a sudden, they come to me and they go, now I really have to care for them and pray for them and ask how they're doing and, and show them right. Yeah, you do. Welcome to ministry, pal. Right? Welcome, right? But in the elders, it's the weight of the whole church as they follow Christ. You can't help but not feel it. You can't just say, yes, it's all under on God's, in Christ's shoulders, yes. It is all on his shoulders, and yes, we shouldn't be fearful, nor should we be. Um, di- uh, nor should we be paralyzed in, act- in activity. But there is this weight. We're actually caring for people, caring for their well being, caring for their souls. He says to keep watch over their souls. The word means to. Now, listen. I looked at the definitions in different lexicons. It's it, it's an interesting word. It means to. Be alert. So, leaders, I think elders, and in part, leaders, disciples, you have to be alert. Notice what is grabbing the attention of someone. If it's idolatry, and, and point them back to Christ. To be alert, to look after, to take care of. Another lexicon said this it's quite interesting to be sleepless. To be wakeful, to lie awake, to pass sleepless nights, to be watchful, to be on the lookout for, to be vigilant. The shepherd in the, in the pasture was vigilant, vigilant, because he didn't want his lambs to be killed by wolves. Brother Jason is vigilant. He doesn't want his chickens to be eaten by coyotes with his BB gun out there, Right? He's vigilant, right? But this is not for chickens. This is not for lambs. This is not for my garden when rabbits used to go in and eat my lettuce, right? These are for the souls of people. The soul there, the word there, sukkos, is the whole inner seat. The self, the the inner seat of who you are. Your mind, your thoughts, your feelings, your inner self. It is the whole care of someone's inner self. Elders are to lovingly encourage godliness and Christ-likeness. And they are to see if someone is discouraged and to encourage them in the faith. They are to rebuke sin if it's there. They don't ignore it. In fact, you can't ignore it. In fact, you're not a shepherd if you do ignore it. They go into the uncomfortable places. They go into the hard places. Into the conversations they don't want to talk about. They look at the sinning brother or sister who will not turn and beg them to turn back to Christ. The elder must constantly oversee if there's any danger to the sheep that they may or may not be aware of. Sometimes they even know there's danger and they follow it anyways. That's what happens. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Isn't that one of the songs we sing? In short, Christ shepherds you through his under shepherds, his pastors, his elders his overseers. But notice this responsibility. He says, as those (coughs) who will give an account, a reason, account. Actually, this is used, this word was used as a statement. I just got my credit card statement the other day. I I, I don't want to know my credit card statement. It came because now I'm accountable To pay it off. I'm going to pay the whole thing off because I don't don't want to carry a balance over, right? But that statement and every time I sign or if I do Apple Pay what I'm saying is I believe the, the creditor is saying I believe you're going to do what you said and pay me back. And so I have this statement that comes and I am responsible. And so for the elder there is this great Great responsibility. He comes with this statement. Christ comes with this statement. Now we understand about salvation. Nothing can change if you are in Christ. But there is this statement that says, Now, what have you done with the gifts that I gave you? What have you done with the time that I gave you? What have you done with the resources that I gave you? And what have you done with the sheep that I gave you? Have you poured into them? Have you wept with them? Did you call them when they were hurt? Did you rejoice with them when they were rejoicing? There will be an account. And in a lesser form for all you disciples, home fellowship leaders, children's ministry, you will give an account. Will he find you faithful? I pray that he will. There can be no, uh, you know, I'm sorry that was out of my job description. Can't, can't say that. There will be no, I'm sorry, it was, it was just too hard. So I just kind of turned the other way. Or, you know, I didn't like that particular sheep. So I didn't shepherd them. I just didn't like them. There can be no partiality in the local church. Now, it is Christ himself that gives elders these tasks. Look at 1 Peter. 1 Peter. It's fascinating how God cares for the church. This is, in Hebrews, it is what is mandated of the believer. Now I want you to see what is mandated. It is the same text that Brother Manny read. This is what is mandated of the shepherd. And here is the weight. Feel the weight. Here's the weight. Therefore I exhort the elders among you. Peter is talking to the church. And talking to their elders. As your fellow elder. Which is amazing. Peter was an apostle. He goes I'm just a fellow elder. And a witness of the sufferings of Christ. And a partaker of that. Of the glory that is to be revealed. And now he gives this all important. Mandate. To the elders. Notice he interchanges a word. Chapter 2. He says now shepherd. Okay. So the elder is the one who shepherds. The shepherds are the one who elder. Right. The elders are the one who oversee. They're all the same person. Okay. There's no bishops above different elders. There's no episcopal leaders over other elders. The elder is the bishop. Is the overseer. And then he says here. Notice. Shepherd the flock of God among you. Okay, now see that little phrase, among you. This is why we at RBC, this is why we practice church membership because we don't know who is among us. How can you shepherd a people if you don't know they are committed to the church? And how do you, you as an individual, obey chapter 13, verse 17 of Hebrews? How do you obey your leaders if you don't know who they are? Should you, obey the, should you go to one church and obey the Methodist church down the road? Should you go to another church and obey the other church down the road? So this is what ties us together. This is what defines the relationship. And what happens is, as you are committed into this relationship, this is my church. This is where I'm at. These are my elders where who I submit to. When this comes together, people think that, well, why can't we just love each other without commitment? And let me tell you, commitment, th- uh, love thrives in commitment, not the other way around. When there's no commitment, uh, that's what, that's what uh, these floozy guys outside want their girl, all their girlfriends to be, without commitment. In fact, most of you fathers would say, I don't want that kind of boy for my girl. Who doesn't want commitment? Right? Why? Because you're not sure about his love for your girl. And so what happens is in the, what happens is in the local church, you have people who are fluxing in, fluxing out, and there is no commitment. Typically, this is what I would see. Um, I would see this sometimes, especially in North County, I would talk to someone and I would say, oh, tell me about your Christian life. And they would say, well, I go to college and career here. I go to evening service in this other church. I go to a morning service in this other church. And then I, uh, I sometimes go to this ladies Bible study over here. And I'll say, great, which, which elders are you submitting to? Oh, none. That's what we see in North Carolina. None. So then you're not really doing Hebrews 13. You cannot live, brothers and sisters, please listen. You cannot live the Christian life and dodge that verse. You're dodging the verse. So now he says, therefore I exhort the elders among you. That's why we have membership. Okay? Shepherd the flock of God among you. Exercising oversight. This is how they are to do it. Not under compulsion. Not because someone's forcing you. We don't stay up late at night because, oh man, I got to get it done because someone's forcing me. But voluntarily, according to the will of God, not for sordid gain, but with eagerness, nor yet as lording it over to those allotted to your charge. Have you noticed he keeps saying your charge among you. I truly believe these are the folks that God assigns to your church in his sovereign will. He brings them together and they say, yes. We are one with the mission, we are one with the leadership, we are one with the congregation, we want to be part of this. And so the shepherds could now do their job as the congregation does their job, as the individuals do their job in this commitment to one another. And now he says, but proving to be examples to the flock And here is the way, brothers and sisters. When the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of of glory. And so here's the relationship. That the shepherds are only under the chief shepherd. They only have their authority as they follow the authority of Christ. Once they deviate from that, they're no longer in authority. They're stepping outside of their realm, outside of their jurisdiction. But if they speak the word of Christ which is the voice of Christ they are actually speaking for the king. They're speaking for him. But as soon as they get out of their lane they are not to be followed. But if they are in their lane brothers and sisters that is a refreshing wonderful relationship of leadership and congregation and individual. You could see this weight that, the, that Timothy even carried in 2 Timothy chapter 4 you guys could just write that down verse 1 if you remember he says I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and of Christ who's to judge the living and the dead and by his repro- appearing in his kingdom preach the word <laughs> so he's Paul once again as is Peter is giving the weight of what it means to shepherd a pastor Contrary to popular belief, is not someone who simply comes up and gives a talk for 20 or 30 minutes and is not in lives, people's lives, and is not counseling and is not loving folks. That is not a pastor. If they are a larger than life personality with no real ministry to souls, that is not a pastor. I'm sorry. This is a hard and taxing work. Sadly, a task that many mainstream evangelical churches will not take up. I remember I was talking to a brother who left a church because he was invited to one of their elders' meetings and all they seemed to talk about was how to increase their marketing and how to bring in the crowds and how to entertain the folks and how to collect more funds. There was no talk, there was no burden or heart for shepherding the souls of men, women, and children. By God's grace, we will not go that route because we feel the weight of the task that Christ has given us. Praise the Lord for Bible-believing, Christ-exalting shepherds who know, who know, listen, who know they are accountable to God. Some people will say, well, Angela, why aren't you doing that? I will say, well, why aren't you discipling your folks? I know what I'm accountable to. We need to disciple our folks. And now, third one, submit because the elders shepherd under Christ. <laughs> they are Christ's representatives. And secondly, because the elders, elders are accountable to Christ. Thirdly, submit because the elders receive joy. The elders receive joy. This is not a business transaction. This is a family. We changed our name of our, of our quarterly meetings to not an RBC business meeting. This is an RBC family meeting. We are a family. God, we are a mixed group of family. Isn't that wonderful? Come from different backgrounds, but God has made us a family. He says to so let them do this with joy and not with grief. The word there for joy is for gladness, delight, rejoicing. The word for grief is to sigh, to groan, to bemoan, to lament over. That's the. It's the trying not to complain, but there there is a bad situation and you can't change it you just go oh, oh, oh. you know it's that deep seated i wish things would change as a congregation and as individual members you were called to make it a joy to serve alongside you notice are we in hebrews go back to hebrews hebrews 13 17. Obey your leaders. Submit to them. For they keep watch over your souls. As those who will give an account, let them do this with joy and not with grief. As a congregation and as individual members, you are called to make it a joy to serve alongside you. You should not be someone who... uh, has no regard for unity. I don't care what that guy thinks. I don't care what leadership thinks. I'm going to do it my way. Well, I'm going to talk about that guy as soon as he turns his back. That's not joyful. In my experience, the only scenario, I mean, you could ask Jeremy, I don't know, but the only scenario when it is grievous to shepherd is when the church member will not submit to the word of Christ in an area. That is, that is the grievous, grievous time. When there's a clear violation of God's word. And we, we show them, not only do we show them, we beg them to change. They say they're a Christian. They say they believe what we believe. And we show them in scripture and we beg them to change. And if he or she changes, praise the Lord That is joyful. I'm not expecting. We're not expecting a sinless church. We're expecting someone to sin. And then we find out. And then we take the word of God to them. And then they grow through that. But when there is a clear violation of God's word. And they reject the rebuke. Or they ignore. The rebuke. Or they simply just don't deal with the rebuke. I I must admit. It causes one. To sigh and to lament. And you church, you know this. You have felt this when we have church discipline. You have begged people to turn from their sin. Obvious sin in the word of God. And they do not. And you feel it. You were one of us. What happened to you? It gets even worse as they persist through church discipline make it a joy to walk this pilgrim path with you make it a joy to shepherd you how do you make it a joy well I have to jump back to First Peter so be patient with me First Peter again this is how you make it a joy and I had to learn this I have to be quite frank and honest with you and transparent with you my wife will tell you I had to learn this Notice he says, to shepherd the flock of God among you, verses 1 to 4. And then right at the heels, look at verse 5. You younger men. I think he says to younger men is because younger men, Jay, they always think they got it together. Oh, I know the answer. I know, I know, I know. I got the answer to that. Yeah, yeah, I got it, I got it, I got it. He tells them, at the heels of the elder shepherding, younger men. Likewise, notice he says, be subject to your elders. They might know a thing or two. (laughs) They might be able to teach you if you just open your ears. Close the yapper a little bit. And open your heart to their instruction. And all of you, how do you do that? Clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. Not just the younger men, but the elders too. Clothe yourself with humility. Why? God is opposed to the proud and gives grace to the humble. We know, as we said before, he has, the word there, opposed, is he has his military line against you. He gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Notice he says this if you want to learn, if you want to grow, he says, humble yourselves. And then he gives this caveat, and I think it's related to pride. Lo- notice we, all, we oftentimes would cite verse 8 separately be sober. Because your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. We will will always say that. Oh, be careful. The devil's out there roaring around, wants to prowl around. Better be careful. What, What is the context? The context is for people to submit to their elders. Why? What's the temptation? I don't like leadership. That is the root of our sin, brothers and sisters. I don't want someone telling me what to do. That is the root of sin. Maybe the church and its elders are there to help you. Maybe in his design, Christ has given us these folks to help you walk in maturity, to grow in gentleness, to grow in loving Christ and loving the body. Maybe. Oh, Oh, but that doesn't, that doesn't apply to me. That's what people do. Now look at, the, uh, that's not the case here. No, can't be me. This is actually an indicator of a maturing Christian. I'll tell you. Man, I have been in many churches and I have seen many folks come and go. Let me tell you. I've preached in many churches and I have seen the folks who have a teachable, humble heart are those who grow and those who don't just grow more cantankerous, more rude. They can't be taught. They, they, they have not allowed, and this is what Jeremy and I were talking about. It. We pray every Tuesday at a coffee shop downtown. We were talking about it. It's, these are the folks who have not allowed the church to round them out. You have not allowed the church and its elders to help you to love one another. You have not let the church, not let the church and its elders, to help you to think rightly. When you become a Christian, it doesn't automatically mean that you have all right doctrine and you know all how to deal with your kids, how to love your wife as Christ loves the church, which is a full time assignment which I fail constantly. How are you gonna know? None of us are gonna know we have to grow together with this, right? How to, how to serve in the church, how to appropriate Christ's power. You know all that? You, you got saved and you know all that? Is that it? You can't be taught. The Bible says he gives us teachers and pastors for the building up in the faith. Until we all attain to the unity of the faith. Ephesians chapter 4. Read it. But if you're not going to be pliable. If you're not going to be humble. Like what Peter calls you. You are going to be subject to that lion that comes back. And the lion in context. I believe. Is your pride. And that is exactly what Peter said. Because he knew it. He was prideful. You remember. Oh Lord, I will not deny you. Though all leave you, I will not deny you. And Jesus says before the rooster crows, you will deny me 3 times. And Peter repented, you remember, but he never did this again. Relied on his own strength, not being teachable, not being humble. Please mark my words, especially you young folks who are graduating and becoming seniors and go to college. Mark my words. If you see your heart starting to go that way, beware. Repent. Talk to someone. Talk to one of us. We want to help you. You're being allured by the world. Submit because the elder shepherd under Christ Submit because the shepherds are accountable to Christ. Submit because the elders receive joy. And submit because you receive joy. You receive joy. (laughs) The verse says, for this would be unprofitable for you. This means to be of no advantage, to be detrimental, without special benefit. and as I said I've said before the submission notice um, is a benefit for you oh I really uh, notice in uh, Hebrews chapter 13 it's in it he says for this would be unprofitable for you if you don't listen you receive joy you don't have it all together I don't have it all together and the way that God causes us to grow in Christ is each other by his word by the spirit so that it's not just abstract ideas you understand but it's actually a life that is lived out in Christ. You said you're a Christian. This is what it says. Thank you. I was wrong. I need to repent. Thank you. You know, uh, I have an elder deacon meeting every, every week and they go, Angelo, you should have said in your sermon, you should have said it this way oh you know you're right or I could say how dare you talk to me like that Ty right I'm not going to grow as a preacher I'm not going to be able to be a clarion voice to the word of Christ for you the more accurate I am with the word of Christ the more closely I hold to God's word the better it is for you and the better shepherding you receive so they are like vigilant Bereans watching every word that I say. And I thank God for that. And I had to learn this. But I keep learning this. I remember I preached a sermon in my younger years uh, back at our sending church and I preached it. I think I was pounding. Pulpit of, of fiery, And uh, my pastor who went home to be with the Lord, he took me out to lions. Do they even exist? Lions? It's like an IHOP, right? Do they even exist? I've never seen lions, right? Took me to lions and rebuked me and says, you should not speak to the people in that way because I said something that went over the line in my youthful zeal. And I cried over my cheeseburger. And at that moment, I could have said, he doesn't know. I'm a voice of God. Right? I could have said that, right? In my pride. But I understood I understood this a little bit. Someone preached this to me. And I knew I wasn't going to grow as a preacher. And I knew Steve loved Christ, however imperfect as he was. And his desire was love for me and love for the church and love for Christ. So I, I submitted and I finished my cheeseburger, and I asked for forgiveness, and I moved on, and I grew, and that's how Christ cares for you. It's not this heavy-handed twisting of the arm. You understand. It is a loving, shepherding, kind, telling, telling of, of all of our blind spots. We have blind spots. Do you know that? All of us do. So as we celebrate the Lord's Supper today, I want you to dwell on the fact that Christ gives everything to you, Christian. Everything. His life for your righteousness, his death for your atonement, His resurrection for your resurrection, right? His ascension for your hope. Now, listen, not only that, his church for your fellowship, his shepherding, his elders for your growth. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much. Thank you. For, I just I just remember I remember how you cared for me and how you gave me godly men who loved me and wanted the best for me. Thank you for your care for our church. Oh, Lord, give us godly men. Raise them up from this church. Men who will lead lead their homes, lead their marriages, lead their children, lead the church. We don't want to do this your way. We don't want to do this the world's way, I mean. We want to do this your way. And your way, is through godly men on fire for Christ, preaching your word. So help us bless the, uh, would you please bless the members meeting? In Jesus' name, amen.